Hi listeners, this is Janelle. I just wanted to give a content warning and let you guys know that around the 50 minute mark we we talk in in depth about some allegations going on in the video game industry and there's talk of um, sexual abuse in there. So if you don't want to listen to that, you don't have to worry about sticking around for one of my really funny jokes at the end because I didn't make one this time. Hope you enjoy the show. My name is Nolan. With me is I'm Janelle. And I'm Alex. And you're listening to the single loudest podcast oh boy. out of the University of Oregon. Experts say the Emerald Games cast at its peak moments is actually louder than an F-15 jet taking off. You can hear us from I space. <laughs> We're on Google Earth. We're louder than Autzen Stadium football, am I right, boys? Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. football. Never rains on our podcast. Hey, mm. well, that's because we're recording it inside in episode, who knows, 10 of Quarantine Gamescast? Maybe. Oh, why don't we change the name for Quarantine? Ah, uh, like like how people do it on, on Twitter when they're going to a convention. I like, hate that, by the like way. Nolan Good, and then a little arrow pointing right Ugh. and an airplane emoji, and it's like, <laughs> West. I hate that, or but, something. but what I hate more is like, Nolan Good is playing Animal Crossing. Like, okay... Cool. Nobody gives a shit. Hey, you, better, name you better watch out because there's I, there's probably some people at the Emerald that do that. We might get we might get taken off the air. Well, <laughs> for criticizing the media, Nolan. Ah. Uh, wow. 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 Yeah. Well, yeah. listeners, welcome to episode thirty-two of the Emerald Games Cast. Alex, you're uh, you're back. I'm back. It's the the the, the, the return of the prodigal son after we expelled you to talk about a secret secret game that That's you're not allowed me. to hear us talk about. It was it was weird. Uh so, you know, we're all good friends with Frankie and but one day he just showed up and he put like a bag over my head and he drove me <laughs> put me in a dark room, threw an Xbox controller at me and it was like play your stupid SpongeBob game and closed the door on me and and uh that's the last I heard of it. I don't know what day it is. Uh my well, circadian rhythm is ruined. There are no windows in there. Only Bob. In, in uh in, in in your defense, you know, you could have been on The Last of Us Part Two you uh, podcast there. because you I bought Last it. of Us Part One forever ago, um, and you played. Listener, if you played The Last of Us, which is retroactively now titled The Last of Us Part One, by the way, according to me, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, Alex made it to uh, j- j- just about the end of Boston, but not even. And then said, yeah, I'll get back to it. And proceeded to He's like, never yeah, play it ever again. It's fine. Finish is the worst part of the game. I don't know. I won't ever get over that. You'll probably never listen to that episode because you'll never finish the second game. Honestly, me wanting to listen to that episode is a major driver for me wanting to finish the game. But I'm a busy Do you man. you know how much shit we talked? About me? <laughs> yeah. No, same um, for He the... just graduated from college. Nobody who graduates from college is a busy man for like at least a month, I think. I have been like watching a lot of Clone High and playing the SpongeBob SquarePants video game. I'm Wait, like very the, busy. Wait, like the, the old Clone High? Yeah, the new Clone High is not out yet. Oh, God. Oh, my God. It hasn't been announced this, yet. This is, this, this is what Alex does. He doesn't finish Persona 4. He doesn't finish Red Dead Redemption 2. He doesn't finish The Last of Us. Death Stranding. Doesn't finish Death Stranding. Um, what he does do is he plays SpongeBob Battle for Bikini Bottom, Pokemon Emerald for the fourth time, and watches Clone High and Scrooge McDuck Adventures. That's <laughs> what... Um, hey, you know what? I, my official response is... I'll, what's your official response? I'll get to it. 
I'll well, get and the to official it I get... Emerald Games cast response is that we are currently looking for a third co-host, <laughs> somebody who plays video games, preferably. Let's just pivot to being a DuckTales podcast so that Alex can participate in our spoiler cast next we, week. We would be called the Oregon DuckTales. No, wait. That's like, someone's going to steal that and, and make a local publication or something. Joke's on you. I already bought the domain on Squarespace. Oh, damn. <laughs> damn. Yeah. Well, you know who's you know, not going to be playing video games or doing anything on a video game related site if you, if you allow me to about segue, to segue into the news. You little goddamn snake. Ah, too bad of you to it. it. T- tell me tell me who. Alex. Well, you got to make the noise first. It's okay, thank time you. for the news. So, there was a really prominent politician that was uh, actually banned from streaming on Twitch.com, or suspended, Perhaps rather. Perhaps the prominent politician. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Let me see if I can pronounce his name right. Um, Donald <laughs> Trump? Donald Trump? Yeah. Is that is that right? Don Green Turnip? Don Green Turnip. That's him. Um, yes. But yeah, President of the United States, Donald Trump, has been suspended <laughs> from streaming on Twitch.com. I didn't realize how much I hated that sentence until just now. Um, I didn't know that he was streaming on Twitch. He streams his rallies. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. And like, yeah. So Twitch unfortunately, has... it's not as like funny yeah. as the headline makes it sound, but it's relevant. Know, maybe he's in there playing like Forza. What do you guys think Donald Trump would play if he played a video game? I, I don't think he would play Forza. No, neither do I. What What do we think? <laughs> I think he would. Yeah. What do you think, Alex? My initial response is either a sports game or uh mm. rising storm vietnam so he can be fully racist all the time really because yeah. i think he would play i think he'd play gal gun 2 in <laughs> vr is what i think he'd play yeah that sound that also sounds like something that he would do yeah apparently uh, a... apparently baron's oh, like a huge weeb huh. really yeah wait how, how old is he it's like 12 it's like Oh, yeah, he's like twelve or thirteen. I don't remember exactly how old he is. Oh, but... Good on, good on you, Baron. Meh, well, well, we'll see. He's Listen, still a being minor, a weeb so... is better than the alternative is, here. His, his There's a lot the day of... before mine. I do not want to be overshadowed by Baron more than <laughs> I already am. Nolan, that sentence about how being a weeb is better than the alternative, and I'm assuming the alternative is racism. You're forgetting how much overlap there is in those two communities. Listen, I'm just saying if if. Look, wow. nobody can pass any judgment on young Baron Trump no, right, I know because that. he hasn't done anything. So I'm saying if he becomes a weeb and that is his escape vehicle from following <laughs> in the footsteps of his father, I say, you know, one point to uh, one point to anime. And I will say, as, as, as an aside, speaking of the overlap between politics and anime, that um, on Netflix last night, I was browsing with Janelle for something to watch. And in the uh, auto-generated Netflix category, award-winning drama, uh, award-winning political dramas, I want you to know that the fourth entry next to House of Cards uh, was Code Geass Lelouch of the Rebellion. <laughs> and so... I don't like that at that all. Is, that is officially an award-winning political drama. Um, did they blur out the face of the Code Geass Max like they did Kevin Spacey for the, uh, the art for House of Cards? They're not canceled, the Code Geass mechs. They didn't do anything they, wrong. They <laughs> what yeah, did really. they do wrong? <laughs> no, the House of Cards picture is just, is like, um, I think the trailer shows Frank Underwood's grave, actually. Yeah, it does. They straight oh, up they killed murdered him. him in the show. And then his, his I want to say his his wife now, 
I, I is the know. new president. I literally only watched the first episode and hated it, and then never ever went back to it. Honestly, Daily Emerald used to have a Game of Thrones like weekly cast. Uh, get on, get on, like just House of Cards, but only season six from just here in forward. Love it, yeah. Well, we yeah. already have the Ducktales thing. We can't double dip too much. Um, so oh, yeah, Donald Trump suspended from Twitch. Uh, not a lot to say, but sorry, listener, if well, you wanted to watch his Twitch channel, um, you're out of luck. If they wanted to listen to or watch Trump on Twitch and they listen to our podcast, I'd be really confused. Yeah. 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 Yeah, don't. If you're. If that's you, will you email us? I won't, like, mention it or, like, out you. I just want to know who you are. If that's you, could you also consider taking a long walk off a short pier? Um, Dude. For a nice swim and then thinking about the yeah, bad there you go. decisions you've made in your life that led you to both of those things, honestly. Yeah, you know. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna pivot us to a lighter conversation about a different president, uh, our favorite friend Shuhei Yoshida. Well, we didn't even get to di- get into the, the Trump stuff. I think there is a lot of we interesting didn't? things to talk about. Is there any more to get into? Yeah. No, that's it. Okay, tell us what tell I us think more it's to get worth into. bringing up that, that Twitch, which started out as a video game streaming service, is trying to diversify and like you have him, you had uh, a lot of political candidates, like Kamala Harris has a decent following on Twitch, I believe. Uh-huh. So then, Bernie has a Twitch? Yeah, Bernie Sanders has a Twitch. So Twitch partner. Yeah, yeah, he's Twitch, he's Twitch partnered. I don't think he actually is. But I think also what's really interesting is their response saying that, like, everyone on Twitch has to adhere to our uh, terms of service and community guidelines, right? They're taking a stance that uh, some other social media and or information sharing sites are not, which I think is pretty commendable. Also, I can't remember his name for the life of me, but a really prominent guy in the esports community who's like an analyst went on Fox News to explain what was going on. And he said, I believe his exact quote was, Donald Trump is being treated no differently than Simp Lord 69, right? He's just another person mm-hmm. using the platform. There's no favoritism being held here. Um, and he was really happy about the fact that he got to say the phrase Simp Lord 69 on uh, cable television. <laughs> and I don't blame him. Um, I don't either. Yeah. <gasps> What, what happened? No, no, I was just making a bunch of noise. I accidentally snapped a little piece of plastic off a keyboard guard. My keyboard oh, no. guard. Her keyboard guard. I didn't want to put <laughs> that actually, detail in. Hang on, hang on. I'd like to discuss this. This okay. is the news. He did that. He broke it originally last week, and he we were, like, recording or something, so I couldn't say stop it. But I was trying to, like, indicate <laughs> that it was mine, and I made it very clear. I was pointing to myself. I was like, that's mine. And he looked me in the eye mm. and fucking snapped it anyway. I, I, I was nervous fidgeting. I didn't mean to. I, I hope, <laughs> listener... I hope you know, I had no intention of snapping. Uh, that'd get me banned from Twitch right there. Snapping things off of your, yeah. your keyboard? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's safe to say that uh, there's 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 no grief here in the studio for the loss of this channel. Uh, yeah. Simple 69, however, I am still holding the flag for that, man. Listen, I don't, I don't, I hope, Simple Lord 69, if, if you do some bullshit after I said that, before I know who you are, I'm going to be upset. So I hope you don't yeah, go with, say some, something racist on Twitch. Be with good some for of our Nolan. later stories, we, we already agreed that we would never say anything positive about anybody again. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I, I, I look back and I'm like, we sure didn't talk a lot about Randy Pitchford. Hope I never said anything good <laughs> um, back in the early days, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. Randy Pitchford yeah. ever likable? Um, no. no, not really. But you know who is really likable? Who I, who I really like? 
Nice. And listen, we just talked about not doing anything terrible in the future and ruining my opinion of you. <laughs> uh, so this is a direct call out to my, my, my close friend of the show, president of Sony Interactive Entertainment, Shuhei Yoshida, who I, I, I just want to point out on, on this, this post that was written by him, which is the focus of this story, um, which is about this PlayStation in, Indie Games initiative. Uh, but I just want to say that Shuhei Yoshida, in his credit as the author, is, is listed as the uh, head of PlayStation Indies. And he says that he was appointed as the head of Indies for PlayStation. By the and queen. I, and I just want to know, Shuhei Yoshida, who appointed you to the head of the Indies committee um, <laughs> of your own company? The queen. Janelle just said so. And, the and, queen. It was and the will queen. you be stepping down as the president in order to focus on your duties as the head of Indies? The duties belong to the queen. Yeah. Yeah. But that aside, the uh, story in question here written by Shuhei Yoshida is that PlayStation is introducing this initiative they're calling PlayStation Indies, which uh, is uh, pretty much what it says on the tin. They're going to be debuting a bunch of games made by small developers um, and they're going to be giving them like top billing or you know kind of the spotlight uh for the time being and they started today with i want to say was it, um, was it nine nine games announced today or july 1st rather when this first happened um yes i think mm-hmm. so yeah they had this nice little blog about how they have always focused on games that take risks they mention uh it says playstation has always embraced games with completely new concepts like parappa the rapper <laughs> <laughs> Katamari Damacy, Little Big Planet, and Journey. And uh, they talk about bug snacks in the post and whatnot. And, you know, I guess just seem to be focusing on pushing indie games forward. You guys got any so, anything you're looking forward to? Anything this else? Is any like thoughts on my, that? As I've got the article below, this is like my third time reading through it. I'm still, I yeah. think I'm still kind of lost in the legalese. So, like. It's, it's a little bit like, kind of, yeah. to me, seems like they were already. Well. They were already releasing indie games all the time. What was them... the thing. What was the thing early pandemic where we talked about it on the show? There's something about like an initiative to support their indie devs by like giving them money or something or like, yeah, or like, God, what was that? Do you guys remember? Uh, no, but I know what you're what but you're talking about. I, it mm-hmm. feels just like an extension of that. It just feels like they want to focus on indie more, which is great. Yeah, but yeah. it is kind of. They say a whole lot of nothing. Well, they say, you know, we're also happy to confirm a new indie title will join the PlayStation Now service every month, beginning with Hello Neighbor. No, boy. (laughs) Oh, God. So is this this literally just them announcing that they're going to be publishing indies? Like... I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned throughout the morning for these reveals, which will gather up here once they're concluded. They're probably going to be coming back later in July with more of these. I mean, hopefully this is just um, a bad way of saying that ideally maybe they'll just put more support into paying indie developers to make more games yeah. for them. I mean, if they scoop frankly, up exclusives, like, that could be really good for PlayStation, you know? Yeah. Frankly, I think the most important thing to take from this is that even if you click on Shuhei Yoshida's name, <laughs> it takes you to the posts by Shuhei Yoshida page. And he is still, even off of that article, listed as the head of PlayStation Indies. And then, comma, as an aside, also of Sony Interactive Entertainment. <laughs> what is it with you and Shuhei Yoshida? You've mentioned his name, like, full name, full interest, like, three or four times now. I just think it's hysterical. This man's the president of Sony, and he's credited as the head of PlayStation Indies. <laughs> is that only funny to me? I, like, I mean, I get it. I'm the I get only it. one? It's fine. 
Yeah. It's funny. Uh, wait, it's wait, really wait, wait, wait. Back up. Is he still the head of Sony? Yeah. I. I just answered without knowing. Because <laughs> now I'm well, questioning it. Let's it's not see. that that wasn't funny, yeah. Ellen. Okay, it's that so, every episode you mention his name probably one time. I like <laughs> I like Shuhei Yoshida. Okay, but why? What's he the, done? The, What's his deal? The fool. The the fool was me, listeners. Shuhei Yoshida stepped down as the president of SIE in 2019 and is currently the head of PlayStation Indies. So there my whole joke go. is null. Um, <laughs> but good job, Shuhei. Okay, you know you did you did great. I really like his work. I. I've been known from time to time to partake in playing on my station, <laughs> and I, you the know, station, yeah, I've, you know, on the station That's what the kids there call at it. which you perform your play activities. That's well, wow. PlayStation aside, how do you feel, Janelle, about your favorite game series? Don't call it that. Okay. <laughs> well, what is your favorite game series? Um, fuck. Is it is it Fallout? Uh, as I am as I implied. No. 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 How do you is feel it? about your 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 beloved game series, Fallout? getting a tv series even like in 2020 i don't know if i feel the same way about it as i really as i once did wow my my old friend fallout friend yeah. of the show fallout yeah previously fallout. beloved game series fallout previously beloved still loved i suppose <laughs> um yes. well i think it's pretty dumb that that is getting a tv show that it's getting a tv by show amazon studios did they confirm it was a tv show or could it be a movie because it's, it's a series, series. they confirmed it's a series fallout yeah. Fallout.twitter.com um, <laughs> tweeted out the, like, Fallout, you know, please wait TV thing with Amazon, and that was it. Well, there was nothing. Amazon and Bethesda's press release said it was a series. Yeah, yeah they always okay. come with press releases, yeah. Sure. But in any case, that is all we know about it. Um, I mean... Well, we know it's being developed by Amazon Studios Kilter. and, and Kilter Films, which, which was mm-hmm. behind uh, Westworld. And... I believe is the brother, the head of Kilter is the brother of uh, Christopher Nolan. Am I right about that? I Maybe? could not tell you, man. You're the film studies major. Yeah, I know. I should know this. Um, However, I can find the information while you vamp. So continue talking. All right. Well, let's <laughs> vamp. So it's, okay. what, like Janelle said, we actually don't know a whole lot about the story. We know it's going to be set in the quote unquote Fallout universe. One of the things they brought up is they wanted it to be sprinkled with moments of ironic humor and B-movie no. nuclear fantasies. Oh, God. Wait, why no? Fallout and ironic humor. Yeah, that's like are, their that's thing. That's like a core of the identity. What I do you know. Mean? I'm well aware. But when you go out of your way to say that your show's going to include something like that, we all know it's not going to land or be funny. Like, I just mm. don't... Look, I have a very specific view of what I think this show will actually turn out like. And it's a whole lot like the the Fallout fan base who's still like you know, thinks it's really funny. I don't know. Do you guys get what I mean at all? It's no, I absolutely understand it. Um, it just, there's a certain type of gamer who I think will really get a lot from the show that I might not. Um, there is however, a, there... I, um, sorry, if really no, quick. Ahead, yeah. However, I do think that the world building in Fallout is really cool. And I really do hope that it's a cool looking show. I might not think it's the greatest show of all time, but like, I'm certainly going to, Check it out at the very least. I just, yeah. I don't know. I just don't think it should exist. But I, um, I can see where you're coming from. But as a fan of Fallout, I would say that if this show was played seriously without focusing on dark comedy, I think it would be oh a for sure huge mistake. I don't disagree with you. I just think that when you have to like them saying that puts a weird taste in my mouth. 
Yeah, I guess it could be taken that way. I. But like, like make your show funny. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It would be really weird if Fallout were too serious. But when you like, what was the exact quote? The exact quote was they wanted to make sure it was sprinkled with moments of ironic humor and B-movie nuclear fantasies. See, that's what I mean. Like, do that or whatever. But when you have to announce that, it just puts a different idea in my head of what that would look like is all I'm trying to say. I, I absolutely get what you're saying where it's like, oh, they're, they're announcing in the press release that it's going to be funny. Although, that being said, I think they're trying to calm down the people who are like, they're going to ruin Fallout, right? By saying, yeah. Yeah. hey, we understand Fallout. We'll see if that's true. But their press release seems to suggest that they understand Fallout. Yeah, to me, actually, the more the more pertinent quote is above that, um, where it says, Nolan and Joy will look to bring, quote, the harshness of the wasteland set against the previous generation's utopian idea of a better world through nuclear energy. Which sound, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a pretty surface level way to put it, but that contrast and the humor that arises from that, I, I would argue, is the heart For of sure. the series. So I think that that makes sense. However, um, I'm, I know that I'm one of those people who is like, oh, the old ones were better. But I'm, you know, at least a bad taste in my mouth is that the person that they're, that they say in the article they're partnering with to bring this to life is uh, Todd, Todd Howard. Yep. <laughs> and, I, and I'm, and I'm, I like Todd Howard and I like, I like Bethesda's Fallout games, but of all of the Fallout media ever created, um, Todd Howard directed visions of the Fallout world are the farthest from the identity and purpose of that franchise that those games have ever strayed. And he doesn't seem like the man to me to put in charge. But but he, he also might just be a partner because they have to partner with Bethesda for the license. I don't really know if that means... We have no way of knowing if that means he has any kind of creative input mm-hmm. or not. Um, he's just never really struck me as like a writer you know yeah yeah i will say and also like oh, oh please no you well i was just gonna say that um kilter films was also behind westworld and westworld you can yeah. tell from the setup and also from some of the stuff they've said in press junkets and uh things they've said in development that westworld was influenced really heavily by video games right like they cited game design Very much as so. being yep. a, they cited game design as being a recurring theme and feature they had to look back towards to mm-hmm. kind of create this world so at least i think that they understand the appeal yeah. of fallout and like understand this isn't made by some like studio executive well it's not being headed by some studio executive who's like oh the kids like video games i like this fallout let's put that together you know yeah um so that could be interesting but what were you sure. gonna say Janelle? Well, you said this first in our group chat, and I think it's what most people were thinking when this was announced. It's like, Fallout is supposed to be a satire on capitalism, and the show is being produced by Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just, I've I've never not heard just, anything that feels so out of touch. Yeah, not just yeah, capitalism. Yeah, like Cinemax already, you know. Capitalism. Sorry, go, go no, ahead. No, you're Alex. fine. It's, just, it's, uh, it's my understanding of Fallout is that it's not just the idea of capitalism it's the monopolistic entity of vault tech right yeah, yeah. compare that to the and monopolistic Robco. yeah mm-hmm. an entity of amazon where they both seem to be in charge of everything including like robotics and defense and like warfare it's yeah yep 
it's I don't know I I don't know it just feels <laughs> like they're completely missing their mark but I guess we'll see what it yeah. looks like it might be a fun thing that shouldn't have existed or it'll be just a dumb thing that shouldn't yeah. have existed and I agree with that but like on the other hand it's already this multi-million dollar franchise and I'm, I'm struggling to think of a way that you could produce a show like this without involving some kind of monolithic publisher you know even if it were like a netflix original I mean, wouldn't wouldn't that kind of but be that's a whole different similar... animal than amazon i guess that's right? true yeah yeah, that's... yeah like you have but media get, monopolies and that's fucked up in its own right but amazon is just a monopoly yeah. monopoly right <laughs> they got the man with the hat and the monocle and everything yeah. they even sell the board game I yeah didn't think about because i literally just realized right now that do you think they had him wear a monocle because it shares no. the root of monopoly no, i think it's just to show I, that he's wow i'm a man. fucking moron do you know what i thought nolan was about to say alex what i, I thought he was this is mm, i thought he was about to say do you think they have him wear a monocle because it's only on one eye which is like what a monopoly is oh no and i know and i and i and i prematurely thought huh yeah <laughs> no now you're making me look think at about me it. well are we all I'm, equally yeah. stupid who knows yeah. I mean, I should have said that, honestly, that's is what it sounds true. like. Um, But yeah, maybe. Maybe that's it. I, yeah. I don't know if the creators of Monopoly thought too hard about I want to talk about the another intriguing part where Todd Howard says, and I'm quoting here, Over the last decade, we looked at many ways to bring Fallout to the screen. I mean, like, of course, but I, I also hadn't considered that. And I think that's kind of interesting because Fallout 3, which was... Bethesda's first Fallout game and Todd Howard's first contact with the um, with being in charge of a Fallout game came out in 2008. Now, certainly it was being made for a little while, but that game didn't fully wrap up all of its DLC and post-production and whatnot until, you know, probably late 2009 or so. Mm -hmm. um, I really like the idea that, like, less than a year after the release of Fallout <laughs> 3, Todd Howard was like, get them in boys we're looking for a film deal like i want to be on hbo i want to be on netflix i want to be i don't even know maybe amazon in a decade will have a studio too who knows you know i want to find any way to put fallout on the big screen anyway any look, way at all look, i don't even care who makes it the only way i think this show will be good is if it's 50 style like leave it to beaver or i love lucy that would actually be pretty great i'd like that a lot if it was just in like <laughs> universe you mean yeah. It's just like a like a Volt Tech propaganda film. Yeah. Now. <laughs> I you know, I, I, I kinda want what they're what they're peddling. I would love this to be a brutal uh dark comedy. I'd be down with that. I think you could do a lot with that. Sure. I, I think it'd be a yeah. little bit tough to ride the line between lighthearted and dark, which is you know you you need that um i don't have a way to justify what i'm about to say no. but um no it's not, not not that it's i'm saying like in terms of like explaining why i think this and it's not like some controversial opinion but something about the format of a video game makes the very dark like grim dark topics that fallout navigates a little bit um not easier to swallow, but easier to bounce back and forth between absurdity and played serious scenes. Um, mm -hmm. 
kind of like with the Yakuza games, how you bounce back and forth between the tone. That works in a video game because the player is pushing their avatar back and forth between main quest line stuff and silly joke side stuff that they want to do by their own choice. Um, it's much more difficult to do that in a passive form of media, right? It's really difficult Absolutely. to pace that because you can't control what the viewer like wants to be doing at any given moment. And um, Fallout deals with some heavy stuff. It deals with, uh, well, for one, it deals with slavery quite closely in every game um, with, with human trafficking. Uh, it deals with prostitution, you know, drugs, overdoses. Literal nuclear holocaust. Literal nuclear holocaust. Um, but even post-nuclear holocaust, all stuff does with, you know, it's like that is going to be really hard to make comedic light of in a passive medium. Um, which, you know... We'll have to see how it works. Um, Actually, on that note, The Last of Us 2 is getting a lot of criticism, um, I think a little bit unfairly, by people saying, you know, this game is too dark for the times that we're in. That'd be fair if they had started making The Last of Us 2 last week and then it just came out. Yeah, that's know? not that's but not the game's fault. The situation that That's not in. the game's fault. However, you know, do we need a show right now that talks about those like super dark things that you're talking about? Is right now maybe not the best time to announce that? Maybe. I think that in in times of crisis, it's a good time for media to deal with those crises. I I don't think it's a good time for them to be satirized sure which i think is a big difference um like like netflix is making that documentary the 13th free on youtube and you're seeing a lot of people talk again about 12 years a slave and movies like selma and stuff um and i think media can really do a lot to enlighten people but you know we're not out saying you should go watch blazing saddles right now so yeah it's it's a little bit different and yeah. um fallout has like i don't know like fallout 3 came out when obama was elected president so like making fun of american jingoism when everybody was like not well not everybody a lot of people were like feeling pretty good about america at the time so we're like here making light of dark american past but now it's dark american present right. and it's it's a little bit different yeah so yeah. i i totally i get what you're saying completely guess we'll have to see i think I there's will. do you think they'll make a wait yo do you think they'll make a skyrim show ever oh my god <laughs> you know an Elder Scrolls series i feel like could work i'm surprised it hasn't mm. happened with the success of a the witcher and b game of well success in quotes game of thrones god. the witcher was listen let's let's talk about the witcher netflix show real to? quick <laughs> uh, real no real quick all i have to say about the witcher is that everybody was talking about it the week that it released and they were all saying hey that was that was really fun I, I had a good time i don't understand what happened and the plot was really confusing and the non-chronological storytelling absolutely did not work and the main character being by way of the lore explicitly emotionless and unexpressive also kind of didn't work but hey that was pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, like seven days later, nobody ever said anything about The Witcher ever again. I think that's two things. One is that uh, Netflix released, to my understanding, they released every season in one sitting, which a lot of studios have realized they need to space it out, like a traditional TV show, to keep people talking about it, right? Yeah. yeah. And the second thing is pretty much exactly what you said. Like, uh, 
the Geralt, the Witcher, is a vessel for the player. Um, yeah. So when you remove that agency, you start to see some of the cracks. Um, but I think that there's something really interesting happening now in Hollywood, in major media, and that's video game adaptations are kind of coming back into the fold. Like, you have major franchises like Fallout. Um, we're getting that uh, Monster Hunter movie. There's a Mario animated movie coming out soon. But you're also getting Last weird of Us, ones. HBO. Yeah, Last yeah. of Us is another major one. Um, the Borderlands movie, which is still weird to me, but uh, you're also I, getting. I'm, I just can't believe we're getting Monster Hunter with like Jumanji lore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People are being like thrown in, transported this world. to an alternate world instead. It, it it could just be like Ray Harryhausen, primitive people fighting monsters, and everyone would be fine with it. Like, God, I freaking hope the Fallout series starts with some, like loser in his garage playing fallout one in 1997 and then like <laughs> clicking the wrong button when he's trying to like click the floppy disk icon oh, to save the God. game and just going whoa and getting like sucked into his computer oh that sounds nightmarish and then some 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 guy in like a hollywood backlot mad max costume is like welcome to the wasteland brother <laughs> <laughs> that's all i want and then yeah. they play like a grunge rock music while the fallout title shows oh this is all i want yeah but we're getting we're getting major movies like that, but we're also getting like a Disco Elysium series and apparently a My Friend Pedro series. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is like, it, I wonder if we're going to see like a full on resurgence of video game adaptations, or if this where's is going Hebo to be like a Where's my cartoon? Yeah. Where's my Where's my Hotline Miami HBO miniseries? Where's my Blinks the Cat animated film? Where's my Where's my Metroid space opera? Wait, I would love that. Yeah, that'd be great. I would watch that. Yeah. Where's my Sonic the Hedgehog? Oh, wait a second. Uh, you got me. Do you guys remember in like the weeks leading up to the movie? The Sonic everyone movie? Everyone was like, yeah, everyone was like, this is the beginning of the Super Smash Bros. cinematic universe. <laughs> <laughs> and people were like fucking convinced that that was going to be like what the future looked like. You know yeah. what my and favorite? The f- Sonic came out and then the coronavirus happened. That's all I can say about it. Is that my favorite part? Wow. Is that during the the press junket for Detective Pikachu, someone asked like, "How would you make a Smash Bros. movie?" And he's like, "Well, same way you'd make any other crossover movie. You'd have to have successful IPs for each franchise, right? You'd have to have like a successful Mario movie and Zelda movie or whatever, right? So like, we still have time for that to happen if it happens." And all of the articles talking about it were like, "Super Smash Bros. movie confirmed. Super Smash Bros. Cinematic <laughs> Universe." Like that's not Sheesh. yeah. Um, well, this is moving on. Yeah, please, please from Fallout. Let's talk about something please. even more exciting and relevant to us: sports. Yeah, sports, um, sports, sports. To love talking about Fallout. What happened? I think I'm, just, I'm really tired today, and like, I'm like, I don't know, you guys. I'm just like not feeling Yo, every it single today. time I'm tired. I want to talk about the nuclear holocaust. Yeah. 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 It's the number one thing that comes to my mind. Look, I love talking about Fallout. I don't love thinking about what I think the show is going to be like. And I don't like thinking about fucking Todd Howard jerking off over his beautiful creation that he's making. And then charging people a shit ton of money per episode to watch it or hey, whatever. Todd Howard's not doing anything except for making Starfield. Exactly. I'm... He's not doing anything. <laughs> okay, and, if, and if, if that's not the case, Todd Howard, um, this is my call to action. I can't do that on the radio. FCC rules. But I can on the Emerald Games We're cast, not, Yeah, Todd I was going to say... I'm telling you, Todd Howard, finish Starfield. And uh, what's the other one? Oh, yeah. Elder Scrolls 6. You Is can tell six? which one I'm excited was... for, listener. It's I six. Was... Yeah. Okay. I, I lost track because they don't give them the names. It's always like the name of a region. Yeah. 
No, Alex lost track because he's one of those can't wait for Skyrim 2 people. <laughs> yeah, that also. <laughs> he doesn't know that it's a numbered game. Oh, yeah. God. Um, anyway, NBA yeah. 2K21 is going to be $10 more expensive on next-gen consoles, is what we're hearing. Yes. Uh, exclusively is what we are hearing. Here. <laughs> yeah, um, no. One of my sources told me that today. So Yeah, Kobe called her. Kobe called me. Wait, is that... Oh, you Hold should on. get your house... What? Like, you should get a priest over or something if Kobe's calling you. Yeah, it, he's the one who died, oh, right? I forgot because yeah. he was on the cover. He's on the cover yeah. of one of the editions. Yeah. yeah. A Portland what's Trailblazer like, what's... is on the cover of the, the regular edition. I can't remember yeah. his name, but. Oof. I, uh, I, didn't, I didn't mean to invoke the name. Do you think that one of our um, all time favorite listeners, Dylan, right now is like really upset Probably. hearing this? Do you Probably. think he's like, and Frankie? Uh, oh, of, I'm not gonna say a name, but there was a prior person who was involved with the pot, Frankie, who got really upset that I said uh, something about Marcus Mariota in one of the other episodes, because I guess I didn't understand that he was not currently with the Oregon Ducks. You didn't understand that? I didn't know. I'm not very. Did you? I, yeah. No? You knew that? Yeah, of course I knew that. I didn't know that. He won the Heisman Trophy in 2015, I think. I've never heard of Marcus Mariota. He. Am I allowed to go to the U of O? No, I don't think so. <laughs> He was like a really famous football player who like people were super Yeah. Anyway, yeah. this <laughs> game is going to be ten dollars more expensive right, right, right. on I hate that whoa. Should I start a sports cast? Yeah, you should start. Yeah, a probably. Cast. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um I think that's great. I think that video games should be more expensive. Yes. I think sometimes video games should be less expensive. Not every game needs to be sixty dollars and having them be that no matter what is kinda weird. So <clears throat> if you are um, a triple A franchise that i think it's weird that video games people have been talking about this for a long long time but video games prices have been completely stagnant for the last decade they have stayed at longer longer yeah yeah i remember seeing an old playstation ad from like the year i was born like 96 that had games at 60 bucks yeah mm -hmm. they have been 60 dollars, and that is the standard for forever and with things like crunch implemented that we've talked about before mm -hmm. It's it's not sustainable. So no, I think that this being the base price of certain AAA video games is a good move. And uh, even even crunch aside, because even if the industry were in perfect form, it's worth noting that while the price of games has not been elastic, the cost of producing them because of the increase in technology mm -hmm. absolutely has been. Yes, um, developers are saying that video games cost. I mean, it depends on what you're making, right? But can can cost double digits of multitudes, like 10, 10 times more expensive to make a AAA game now than it was for the PS2, for example. There was an article I read not too long ago about how uh, when somebody went, there was a journalist who went to Japan and went to Square Enix to see them working on uh, Final Fantasy VII. And he commented about how he could see like 50 people working on it and was blown away. He'd never seen anything oh my close. God. To the amount of people he saw there and it was like this is like a movie and now there's like eight times that much working on triple a features right the <laughs> credit sequence of red dead redemption 2 oh my god plays the entire ost and then some bonus songs yeah <laughs> and all of those people were overworked underpaid to the point of like abuse almost right like there needs to be some sort of change Right, like, we want games to look nicer and be bigger and have more things, but we don't want to pay more for it. 
and we need to. And I'm really so, glad that out of every franchise, it's going to be NBA. It's going to be a sports franchise because the people who play these games will pick it up no matter what. They're going to help mm-hmm. set this standard. Well, I want to talk about something. Okay, it's like so we can all agree that games being more expensive would not be a bad move, right? Because it would move away from not just all the stuff we talked about, but also I feel like it could it could prevent um companies from having to rely on predatory monetization tactics in order to keep up, which a lot of games have been we're getting back into the era of shoving in games as service models and multiplayer functions and stuff in order to try and keep your game uh rolling in money because the single player campaign being sold isn't sustainable at this price point unless you're a game like last of us 2 where you can guarantee multi-million sales right um so what i do want to talk about though is the complaint that i've seen people make that okay this game is okay to be 70 dollars but it can't be $70 and include microtransactions. And I want to know how you guys feel about that. Well, I generally don't agree with the idea of microtransactions in general. So I'm with that idea. Um, Alex, you go first because my thing is going to lead into a bigger thing that I want to talk about with us too. Oh, sure. So please feel free. Well, I'm kind of with Janelle, but I also understand that, like, yeah, to continue development of video games, you need to make more money, right? So I understand yep. the desire and quote-unquote ethical ways to introduce microtransactions so purchases within this major purchase within this macro transaction in games the problem i have is that the nba series or the 2k series i should say nba 2k is i think it's the full name of it but uh is famously really predatory with its tactics um and uses just like gambling loot boxes which people have started like i think it was british lords started cracking down on it and saying it was gambling so we're gonna start seeing not just in Europe proper, but also in the UK, people cracking down on that. Um, yeah. So I, I understand people's concern with NBA 2K. That being said, I think that them doing this, like we all agreed on, is, is a good thing, um, if that makes sense. Well, at the same time, I, I'm actually remembering now that a few years ago, I had the same conversation with one of my friends, and it turned into like a four-hour-long argument. Because we couldn't really decide a side. Because, like, on one on one hand, um, people need to be paid more for the games that yeah. they're making. Yeah. But on the other hand, we is this just going to turn into some weird classes system where only some people get to enjoy a type of media? Like, what about, you know, there are... Fuck, I was a low-income kid, you know? All I had was video games. I didn't play as many video games as you guys because they were really expensive and I couldn't afford to that's why I played the same game for years and years and and it's hard because I don't have an answer and I don't know how to solve that problem but like we're creating a I don't know it just this is going to become games might become unobtainable for a lot of families and for a lot of people and it's do you guys get what I'm trying to say I feel kind of all over the place but like it's it's tricky I do get what you're saying but like indie games will still exist smaller teams will still smaller projects will still well for sure like, I don't think that this sure, but, means the end of... But with that, though, like, the indie scene, you know, with stuff that PlayStation's doing in the Switch, I just look at it as, like, a little indie console. But for the most part, indie games are much more friendly towards PC. And, like, most kids aren't... I don't know anything about kids. Maybe every kid has, like, a decked-out PC better than mine these I'll, days. A but lot like... of kids have laptops. They have function to play 
when you're talking about like high-end AAA games that tend to need those higher quality, you know, beefy PCs, that's one thing. But like, sure, and you can I run. Mean, like I said, you can run Fortnite on anything, right? Oh yeah, I guess. As well true. as other indie games that are specifically designed just, for smaller scale devices. Like all I'm getting at, and again, I don't know the answer, and I do think that they should increase the price of games, but like this does create this weird system that is pretty classist and we need to remember that you know sure yeah that's worth bringing up yeah sure yeah it is i think the other thing is that for people that have less money you know when when i was young i got new games by selling old games yeah and that isn't uh a good alternative necessarily well, especially but what, with what the it, death of like gamestop right physical right. media as what a it, whole is dying. what it does remind mm-hmm. me of is how i i used to kind of just kind of ration out you know if you can afford a game when you're low on cash usually it's going to end up being like maybe a few times a year you have your releases planned out i don't have a yes or no answer for this but i would be curious for the people that buy like two or three $60 games a year, budget-wise, I wonder how much a difference would it make if it were two or three $70 games oh, a year. Oh, for sure. Where, where it's like, you know, you're adding on, if you buy three games, you're adding, that's like less expensive than if you splurged one year and bought a fourth game. Yeah. Right. You know, um, if you bought two, it's 20 extra bucks. That's buying a used game. Well, then you talk about microtransactions and it right. goes beyond that. Yeah, and that's and that's true. Um, but w- what it what it leads me to is not that uh, that I feel ready to make a case against games going up in price, but that I feel ready to make a case for games getting away from feeling that they need to consistently meet the precedent set by the biggest and the best AAA releases because we have been in a bit of a rut, I think, with AAA games where every big game needs to have big in the marketing, if right. you know what I mean. Yep. And so yep. we we hit a stride with releases like Grand Theft Auto V and Red Dead Redemption 2. Granted, there's five years between those games, but they occupy the same sort of trend of it being about more detail, more quality, more world size at the cost uh, of more well documented animations, right? Like right, but but also at the cost of lengthy development time, at the cost of um, oftentimes at the cost of focus of of product. You know, you end up with games where I know that this is talked to death, but like a big offender is Ubisoft, right? Where you end up with games that feel unfocused because they're trying to cover these massive swaths of land and all these sort of microsystems that are juggled into one another without coherently serving the core of the game Mm -hmm. and that's that's not even talking about what alex is saying which is an even bigger factor so uh you know it's been a bit of like a mantra on twitter lately uh smaller games that cost less that look worse yeah i think is a good solution yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, that's where indie games are too, but we used to have double-A games. You guys remember double-A games? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we had... I don't Budget think we single-A games, did we? Did we have single-A games? Is that not indie? Indie. Yeah, I guess it is indie, huh? You know? But uh, look, 
games. People, people uh, love, people adore double A games, but they don't often classify them that way. Okay, but they do. People love Vanquish. People love Bayonetta. Yep. People love like Metal Gear Rising. Oh damn, these are all just like platinum all, action. Platinum games. is the king of the double A <laughs> game. Look, all I'm saying, man, is that there people love these short, focused, experimental uh, games that cost less to make, that are more mm-hmm. inventive, um, that take less time to play, and they don't sell well because they're not the standard. People go, oh, this game's only 15 hours long? Well, I don't know if I'm going to drop 60 bucks on that. And that makes sense. But if that was the standard, I don't know if that thought would occur. Yeah. Well, like, hell, God, the, remember the Order 1886? Yeah. That got so much backlash because it was a $60 game that had, what, like, 12 hours, maybe, yeah. of gameplay? But it was like, also just I, a bad I, I game, to my understanding, right? Yeah, like, I my understanding, too, is that, but when people found out how long the game was going to be, that's when yeah. that started. And that makes sense, but, I mean, I'm not going to start this conversation because it'll turn into a whole thing, but, yeah. I mean, in general, the cost of goods needs to go up. The, you know... The kids making t-shirts for Fortnite aren't getting paid anything but pennies a day, probably. Mm-hmm. And those yeah. shirts are being sold for $5. And that's not okay either. And it's just, obviously, this is a much bigger problem than yeah. just within games. But I think, I do think that, um, you know, adjusting the price is the best solution. Well, yeah, and it's also absolutely. worth noting, you know, after I went on my tirade about AA games, it's also worth noting that I'm... I'm in a position, and I'm sure you guys are too, where, where I'm able to take chances on weird, small games with mm-hmm. my wallet because I have disposable income. But I know that when I was younger, I would never... Like right now, I'm interested in maybe giving Deadly Premonition a try. A game that I'm not even sure that I'll like, but I'm interested in the premise, and I like Swery, yeah. you know? And I just want to see what happens. But I know that when I was younger, before I bought any game i would go home and i would read every review i could find and if i had a choice between one game that looked interesting to me but had a 7 out of 10 on most sites and one game that looked a little less interesting but had like a 9.5 you know that i went for the safer bet because i had limited money yeah so that's not going to be the solution for everybody but it just throwing that out there. so we need to move on because we have some really important stuff that we need to talk about and none time to talk about um, None time. So, there has been a lot of uh, news coming out recently about uh, sexual assault and abuse allegations from major people all around the industry, all around many industries, actually. And it's come out and affected a lot of people in games development. And we just wanted to touch on that because we do think it's really important to bring that up and talk about how there is no, there should not be any space for that. And I think I can pretty confidently speak for all of us when I say that like this everything that's happening a lot of the people that are leaving and resigning and getting pulled from projects is a net positive to prevent any sort of abuse yes yeah yep yep um absolutely but it's also weird because these are people that we've talked about before like uh Chris Avalon back when Andrea was on we talked about Chris Avalon quite a bit um in fact when uh we were talking about the lead into Outer Worlds um I like everyone at the time being fully ignorant of what Chris Avalone was doing, mm-hmm. um, gave him praise. Yeah. I said that he was a great writer and I think that like it's, it's, 
it's different when it's someone that you had admired their work but um it shouldn't change anything you know i'm not absolutely going yeah. back and standing by those statements it, it's like it's easy to let these allegations seem fishy when it's someone that you like mm -hmm. but you shouldn't well it's like it's kind of like maybe this isn't anything but it's like how people will have a harder time believing that like a young conventionally attractive man raped somebody right it's like not him the only types of people who do that fit into a very certain category right yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's like yeah you can be a great writer and also be a huge piece of shit and yeah yeah i think the most important thing from people like us who talk about these people is just being transparent like you know don't deny that you've said positive things about these people in the past you know like and don't deny that like you know hey i still like fallout new vegas you know right but i will not you you know you you, you know what i mean art, yeah, art and these accusations yeah. is a really difficult thing to come by like this has been a thing happening for yeah. a long time in the film industry of course but you know people talk about like how oh you need to separate the art from the artist you don't always need to sometimes you don't they're, always sometimes no. they're pretty integrally related and like yeah. the themes of the art show or the themes of the artist show through in the art you know it's right. it's a Absolutely. difficult yep. it's a really difficult thing but i think we can all universally agree that if somebody does this they should not get any more chances to be creating no. art like this yeah and i it's unless i'm wrong i believe chris avalone who by the way is one of the people mentioned here he's been taken off of dying light too yes that yes. was his biggest project he was on now he is no longer a part yeah. of the dying light team and uh well two of the people steve butts and tal blevins who were previously editors at ign they're not at ign anymore but, but that was a long they, time ago it wasn't because of this that was, yeah that they were not at uh -huh. ign they left ign presumably for Quite their own reasons ago. yeah yeah yep and like in the case of them there were journalists talking about how they were forced to put out articles that like weren't true necessarily mm -hmm. and like and ruined their reputation with that their reputation and also just like blatant lies about the studios and people they were talking about yeah exactly yep. like the thing about these people who have done really shitty things is that they've all done different things and i think that if we i don't know how to say this without it sounding kind of um i think that if we all lump them up as just like this guy's a piece of shit then we're doing a disservice to the people who were treated terribly by them right like sure, yeah. it's important to remember that chris avalone is a piece of shit for god see there are so many of them i i, I my understanding is that he like physically sexually assaulted women yeah like at events yeah like we need to remember what they all did, you know? Yeah. Instead of just remembering that they suck, because then it's easy to forget. I think... I guess, if that makes any Chris sense. Chris Avalone was accused of groping, sexual harassment, and other incidents which took place at gaming industry networking events, according to Kotaku writer Ethan Gack. Yep. I think in some mm -hmm. cases, too, it's, it's important to bring up, because it's like, it's not just one person being bad. It's an entire industry and or an entire, like, perception. Yep. One that really stood right. out to me was uh, Mr. Wizard. Uh, Joey Gugliar, I think his name is. He has been the head mm -hmm. of Evo for many years now, which is the, uh, I forget what it stands for, but it's basically like a major fighting game tournament. Um, and yep. one of the things that came out about him was that several years ago, he would pay underage boys to, like, skinny dip in, like, his private, I don't remember if it was, like, his private pool or, like, a public pool, but... 
He was like paying off kids to get naked for him. And it's like, and, and everyone seemed to just be okay with that. There were a lot of people in the fighting game community that just sort of accepted this and either kept quiet or were complicit. Um, and it's like, it's, it's mind boggling to think of like how something this bad could have gone on for this long, you know? And you're right that it's the industry too. And obviously listener by that, we don't mean every person in the industry. Oh, right. The, but the, but the problem of people in positions of authority getting away with this stuff is systemic and should be looked at this way. I mean, before this, it was Randy Pitchford, and before that, it was the man whose name eludes me who worked for Riot. Uh, and who, oh, there were a lot of those. Whose actions, among other yeah. things, incited an employee, an employee walkout. Um, yeah, Riot is an example of like the industry yeah. accepting it, you know? Right, exactly. And just hundreds of people um, were, were subject to those managers at Riot, and, mm-hmm. you know... Not saying that the employees were complicit in the cover-up, but like the, the 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 system was not set up to out people who violate those rules. Yeah, it's set if up you to outed those people, you could have lost keep your job. them in those positions. Yep, you you under threat of being fired or suspended, you weren't talking about it. Right. They even tried to force employees into like internal negotiations and yeah. Actually, hell, we talked about this literally on like episode two, if listeners remember. Yeah, I remember um, that. That that's how far back this goes, you know way further than that too yeah Yeah. there's it's it's very it's terrible there's a lot of people who this information has come out about we'll link a bunch of the stories about it in the description if you're interested in learning more and hopefully realizing and seeing some of the the studios or ips that you're a fan of and seeing like oh maybe this is not completely above the board if that makes sense um when it comes to separating the art from the artist, I would urge every listener to think about what that means to you and on a not like necessarily a case by case basis, but like think about the games you enjoy, think about the companies and developers you follow, and think about how it fits into these allegations and just you know not just what Animal Games Cast not gonna tell you how to think, but it's worth thinking about. Yeah, not just yeah. but not just what that means for you, what it means for the people who are coming out and telling their stories yep. as well like we can't forget that yeah um yeah well so we have i would say we are not going to talk about the best game of 2003 we're, wait we're not this episode no we're, we're at 58 and a half minutes maybe right now. not after that no uh, sure that's fair so i would say like you know yeah listener thanks think about all that sorry to drop heavy stuff on you uh we will talk about the best game of 2003 next week, so stay tuned for that. But you can't wait. I know we're all so fucking wait. excited for 2003. Now I yeah, swear to would, God, you now that year. you have two weeks to prepare, you can't be like, I'm not picking one again. I made this game up. I can do whatever I want with it. Thank <laughs> you. Okay, well, that has been the Emerald Games Cast episode 32. If you want to email us, uh, you can do so at emeraldgamescast at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter where we take questions or comments or topics to talk about or just literally anything uh, at ODE Gamescast on Twitter. And send us a short essay about the best Crash Bandicoot racing game and why it is nitro-fueled with PlayStation 4. 
And uh, huh. yeah, I've been Nolan. With me has been. I'm Janelle. That's it? Yeah, I didn't want to make a joke this time. That's a good call. Okay. And also? I'm Alex. And that's been the Emerald Cancast. See you next week. Bye.